Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here and that you have already just moved in such power and, and grace and We thank you for your love and your comfort and your hope that we have in you. So we ask today, God, in this, gosh, just weird day, God, of so much, that you would comfort us, that you would be with us, that you would inspire us, that you would move us, God, to be the women and men that you've called us to be, God, and to step into the future that you've called us into boldly. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Memory is such an interesting thing. Like, I, I actually love studying the, the neuroscience behind memory because there's so much that's happening right now with it, and it's such, such a fascinating topic when you get into it. What, what informs memory, what, what informs the recalling of memory, how we interpret events that have happened in our past. But have you ever, have you ever just been sitting there and all of a sudden you are flooded with memories about something that were unexpected? And it's interesting what memory is oftentimes attached to. How many of you have ever been like uh, eating a meal and you taste something and you're like instantly transported to your childhood? You know what I'm talking about? Or, or how many of you have that one song that it comes on and you either like, I can't listen to that song, right? Because it was like, oh, we broke up during that song or, or something really awful happened during that song. Or there are those songs that you just go back to and you're like, oh, that's my jam. I remember that was my wedding day. I remember that was, that was a birthday that was special to us. It's amazing how, how so many things can trigger memory so fast. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was... I was given this cologne that I uh, was wearing. I liked it, and so I was wearing it around. And every time I wore it, I found myself getting like emotional. And I was like, "What? What is the deal with this cologne?" Like, I know like some colognes have pheromones, and I don't. I was like, "Does this have like some type of an emotional trigger?" And uh, and then I, I remember I was driving down the street, and I was smelling it. I'm, I was literally going. What is that smell? And why do I get so emotional when I smell it? And then I realized it was the smell of my therapist's office. And, and I was like, oh, that would totally make sense because I'm back in therapy when I'm wearing this cologne. It's amazing what triggers memory so fast. And it's, it really is amazing our ability as human beings to time travel, right? Like we can be present physically in our bodies here and now, but mentally, emotionally, we are, we are somewhere else we were in some other time in the past, remembering things that have been, or thinking about the future that is to coming, that is to come. I mean, this this week with losing Freddie, I've been working all week, but it's even during my moments of of quiet, all these memories come flooding back that I wasn't expecting. 
Like just the other day, I was, I was at an event and I, I helped this vendor. They asked me if I could grab this box of, of waters. And I said, yeah, let me grab this box of waters. And as soon as I picked it up, I, I recall many of you don't know this, but I traveled with Freddie for many years when he was doing his ventriloquism and evangelism. And, and Freddie loved good sound. If you, didn't know, if you knew Freddie, you knew he, just, he had to have good sound. I think it's one of the reasons why Michael is so brilliant at what he does. And, and so we would pull up to an event and Freddie always had a sound system just in case, right? And, and I remember me and some of the other guys that traveled with him, Frank and others, we, we would always be like, all right, please let there be a good sound system here. Because if there wasn't a good sound system, we were lugging in speakers, baby. <laughs> and it was amazing how picking up that, that box of, of water, it must have been like the right weight and the right sound. I was like, oh, that's a Ramza speaker right there, right? This, this is what that is. And, and it's amazing how small things can cause memories to come flooding back. And and don't they always come back in the most inconvenient of times? Like you're in the middle of something, you're like, can we just think about that later? Can we push that memory to the side? Do we have to, do we have to remember that right now? And it's interesting because when we time travel, when we find ourselves going back to the past of things that have been, it impacts how we are presently with the people around us and how, how we engage in fact, we use memory to inform us of, of how we are to engage in the present. So, for example, when we feel threatened in the moment, whether you know it or not, what your mind does, it actually goes back to all the memories in the past of when you've been threatened before, and it remembers the times that you survived those threats, and then it informs you of how to survive here in the present. So you either move into running or hiding or disconnecting or protecting yourself that when you find yourself in the present moment, when you need some control in a moment that feels out of control, your mind actually goes back to the catalog of memories of all the times you were able to stay in control. And then it informs you of how you're going to be present with the situation that feels out of control in the moment. So then you find yourself there, angry, performing, using some substance to numb out. But when we find ourselves needing to have to win relationally, when we feel like suddenly we're in a competition with our spouse or with our friends or with the people around us, we go back and we remember the times that we won in the past before and what strategies we used back then to inform us of how we're going to win here now. So we strive, we fight, we go passive, we shut down. So we use our memory for, for all kinds of things that inform us of how we are to be present here and now. And there's this moment in the scriptures, in fact, a passage that that I love, that I keep going back to over and over because I think it informs so much of the mindset that we engage in here at Humanity. But in Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse one, it's this moment where God is with his people and he's informing them. He's actually calling them to remember. And it's this really beautiful moment where he, he calls them to remember all of the ways that he has been faithful to them over the years. And he says this in Isaiah 43, he says, but now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. See, he's even remembering, look, I created you, I formed you, don't forget that. And then he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you my name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Remember when I gave Egypt up for your ransom, Cush and Sheba in your stead? Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. 
I will bring your children from the east and will gather you from the west. I will say to them, go to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I already created for my glory, who I already formed and made, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the people assemble. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that you may hear others say, it was true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there ever be one after me. Even I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, and I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declared the Lord, that that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hands. When I act, who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, O Holy, Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down all the fugitives, all the Babylonians, and the ships which they, with which they take pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord said. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, and drew out chariots and horses and army reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, stuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not... Dwell on the past. See, in this passage with the Israelites, God is informing them of what is to come. He's like, look, you're going to walk through some rivers that are going to feel overwhelming. You're going to go through some fires that are going to feel like they're going to take everything from you. There's going to be some oceans that are going to feel so vast that you're not going to know if you're going to be able to make through it. And he's saying to them, look, you're going to be okay. I promise you. And he's saying you're going to be okay to the Israelites in this moment because he's saying, you've already been there before. Don't forget. There were other times when you went through the fires and I rescued you. There were other times when you went through the rivers and I pulled you out. There were other times when you went through oceans that felt so vast you didn't know if you were going to make it to the other side and I redeemed you in the middle of that. And in doing that, he's having them remember all of the things that he had done up until this point. Remember when I took you out of Egypt? Remember when you were enslaved to the world's superpowers and you thought there was no way to get out of this? Remember how I easily delivered you from that moment? He said, remember the Red Sea? Remember when I delivered you and then you got to the Red Sea and you're complaining about why were we just delivered because there's no future now that there's this Red Sea in front of us and I parted the Red Sea and remember when you walked across And remember when the entire Egyptian army goes in and now they're at the bottom of this Red Sea still to this day because I took care of you in that moment that you felt so overwhelmed in the middle of this? He's having them remember. Even in the moment, he's like, even remember when I formed you, right? Remember when you were just a little fetus? I was there. And so he's having them recall and remembering because there's something powerful in memory. In fact, all throughout the scriptures, There are these calls for remembrance. The Israelites, the God is constantly having the Israelites remember. In fact, if you look at the the Hebrew calendar, there were just constant feasts and festivals and memorials and remembrances and holy days. And most of them were to pause and remember all of the ways that God has been faithful. To like take take a time out in life and go, hey, Let's remember. Remember that one time that God did that? Remember that one time that, that God provided in that way? Remember that one time when God saved our lives? Remember that one time when all hope was lost 
And he showed up again and again and again. And so they were being asked to pause and to remember all the ways that God had shown up. But do you notice that the memories that tend to flood back are oftentimes the memories that inform us of how difficult life has been? It's amazing that the memories that are oftentimes the most vivid, the ones that that show up the most, are the ones that inform us of, of the pain from the past. And they inform us of how unfair things have been and how we didn't get what we wanted and how things weren't the way they should be. It's amazing how we tend to remember things like hurt and betrayal and loss and pain and suffering so much more than other memories. Those seem to stick. They seem a little more stickier than others. See, it's because when you look at the study of memory, our memory actually simply is a snapshot of our emotional response in that moment. We think that our memory works like, a, like an iPhone camera where we're just like recording the memory and it gets logged into the database. But really what we're remembering is our emotional response in that moment. And so if it was powerful, if it, if it moved us in some shape or form, it, it leaves a mark emotionally on us. And it informs us of, of how we are to live in the future. See, experiences like like joy and elation and freedom and redemption, they're equally powerful. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I would say they're more powerful than other moments. But the problem is, is that those memories don't fit the moments in the present when we are living in scarcity and fear and hopelessness. They don't seem as resourceful to pull off of the shelf and remember those moments when it feels like all hope is lost or it feels like we're out of control, or it feels like things aren't going the way that we should, and so we start pulling all the memories that informs us of that time when I didn't have enough, or that time where God didn't show up the way I wanted him to, or that moment where I was left without, or that moment that that person that was supposed to be there for me betrayed me. And so we pull from those memories because they're more resourceful to keep the story in play about how unfair life is in those moments. This is why oftentimes... When I work with people, they can vividly remember painful memories from their childhood, like, like to the detail. It's amazing how when I coach people, oftentimes people will say, yeah, my dad, he did this thing. And I remember this one day, he was wearing a red shirt with a black tie and he had these shoes on and these were, this was his vocal inflection. I remember his hair. I remember the look in his eyes. And then I'll say, hey, tell me about your third birthday. And they're like, yeah, I can't remember that. Tell me about that time when, when something really beautiful showed up. Yeah, I, th- I think there was that one time when something happened because we at times are so committed to this other story about what is presently happening. And the fact is, is that on top of that, we, we just leak. We leak memory. And so as we go through life, we find ourselves leaking all the things and all the ways and all the moments that God has been faithful we just, they just leak out. And so as time goes on, we forget those moments that God showed up in the middle of a crisis. We forget those moments where God provided where there was no provision. We forget those moments where all hope was lost and then suddenly hope was flooded in in those moments. We just forget all the times that he protected and provided and sustained. And then when life hits and when things start to look scarce, so they start to look unfair, they start to look hopeless in those moments, then all of that goes out the door. We find ourselves wondering, where is God in all of this? 
Why hasn't he shown up? And then we start saying, not only has God not shown up here, but he's never shown up because we leaked all of the memories of the moments and the times and the places where he had shown up. This is why I think this is one of the reasons why God is constantly telling the Israelites, just pause and remember. Just please take a day, take a moment, take a beat, take a second to remember because you're going to leak and you're going to need these memories when life hits you to inform you of who I am in those moments when it feels like all hope is lost. I I, got to be honest, the last few months, probably the last 18 months, but specifically the last few months have just been a mess for me personally. I'm not personally in a mess, but they've just felt extremely chaotic, extremely overwhelming. It has not been an exciting time to lead in any way, shape, or form. I mean, just when we thought COVID was like ramping down, it ramps back up, and then we find ourselves in a whole other slew of how do we deal with Delta and everything that comes with that. And then coming off of the the tail end of what has spun into now like a crazy political arena that has left all kinds of emotional ramifications and people disconnected, that has come with physical ramifications and personal ramifications. And then in the middle of all that, in the middle of all the the disconnection and the disunity and the, the confusion around what's happening, people tend to check out of community for small reasons, Small, insignificant reasons from my experience, but I get it. When we're pressed, we need a villain to explain why life isn't showing up the way we want it to. And so we check out from family, we check out from others, we check out from church, we check out from community, because they are not the person that I want them to be in the moment. And then, of course, the emotional ramifications of losing a building. And, and honestly, it really isn't this, a building. This building's kind of whatever, when you take a look at it. It smells really funny. I've been the guy who every week is like, please spray the Glade fresheners, right? Because I, I hate the smell of old church buildings. That's another memory that floods in. I'm like, that's gross, right? Like, so I'm like, how, even, the, even the scent in here, I'm like, please transform the memory of this room. So it wasn't exactly losing the, the building. It was losing the potential of what was here. That, that came with having this space and everything that we worked for and everything that we planned and, and the five years ahead of us that, that we were with. And then just the emotional energy that goes into moving and not just moving, but finding a new location and figuring out how are we going to sustain a community in the middle of COVID that needs online and in-person and certain kids' spaces and, and health qualifications. And this is closed, and that's not, and there's not enough workers here because there's not enough COVID people and all this stuff. And it's just been a crazy season of just trying to figure out where are we going and what is this going to look like and what do we need and what do we need to purchase and, and with all of that. And then back in, back in April, I talked to our team and I said, hey, I haven't really been able to work outside. I have a, like a quarter-time job that I also work doing business consulting and public trainings. And I said, you know what? I'm going to push all of those off till August and September because we don't have a lot going on in our community then. <laughs> so, so in the last 10 weeks, I've been gone eight of them on airplanes to six different States and one different nation and pouring out into so many people while managing all kinds of data and details that are going on here. Where does an LED wall go and how temperature does it have to stay in and what COVID ramp qualifications do we have for kids space and 
all kinds of things that come with that while being on the road in the middle of that. And then, of course, this week, losing a mentor and a friend. And honestly, I just have not had time to process that. It's on my calendar for next week. (laughs) Don't worry. And my last text to Freddie was, don't you dare scare me again like that or else I will kill you. And, (laughs) And he immediately responded, via phone saying, you don't get to decide who kills me or not. (laughs) And I know the processing will come with that, but even just knowing that Freddie will not be coming up to me after this sermon saying, you did a good job, which he did every Sunday. And so I know that that's coming. And in all of this, it's so much easier to look at life and wonder where the heck is God in all of this? Like, where is God in all of this? And I talk to to so many people these days that are asking that question. People who are people of faith, people who are not people of faith, people who are going through big things, little things, everything in between. There's so much asking, where is God in all of this? Because it seems like if there was some big plan that this is not exactly what he would have for us. And part of it is that we just forget so easily We leak. We leak so easily. And we find ourselves in moments of trouble being informed so quickly by scarcity and fear. And and this is all there is. And it starts at a very early age for most of us. I remember earlier this year when we got back from our family Cancun trip, Jackson, we were sitting at home literally like a day after we got back from an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean, right? And Jackson wakes up this morning and, and he says, can I get on my iPad? And I said, hey, bud, we're taking a break from the iPad. And he looks at me and says, you never do anything for me. Ooh. <laughs> it took every ounce of self-control not to backhand that four-year-old. Because <laughs> I just thought, oh, it starts so early. We forget. We forget. I mean, we just had paradise that was all paid for for 11 days, and I take away the iPad for three minutes. You never do anything for me. (laughs) And isn't it the same way with God? (laughs) Like, we have a whole lifetime of memories proving how good he is and how he's come across and, and how abundant he's been and how he's shown up and how he's provided and how he's been faithful every single time, and then something hits, and we're like, you never do anything for me. And I could imagine all God's also like, hold my hand, right? Because he's over there going, please remember. See, we can remember to prove how unfair life is and how awful God is and how he's never there. But we can also certainly choose to remember about how good and faithful he is as well. We can also choose to remember how he has provided over and over and over and over again. And this is why God calls us. He calls us to pause to specifically remember his faithfulness. To remember how he has provided over and over and over and over again. 
It's amazing how when I work with people who suddenly transform their perspective on a relationship or they transform their perspective on life or they transform their perspective on an area that feels so hopeless when they find the hope or when they find the redemption or they find the possibility, it's amazing how a whole other set of memories come flooding back. I can't tell you how many times when people make the courageous decision to forgive their parents, all of a sudden those memories of, oh, I forgot that they, they, they threw me a birthday party every year, and I forgot that they were at every single soccer practice, and I forgot that they had been there for these moments, and yes, there were all kinds of craziness in between, but I had forgot the beautiful moments that prove a whole other story true. And there's power in remembering the God who has provided. And today I imagine as we leave this place that God invites us to look back with new lenses, to look back with new lenses at the way he has supported, in the way he has overcome, in the ways that we, he has allowed us to forgive, in the ways that he's even allowed us to survive and to thrive in the middle of this, and the abundance that he has provided over the decades. But it's interesting that as God says to them, he says, he says oh, like this whole passage is like, remember, remember, remember how faithful I was. And then he says this to them right after, next verse. He says, see, he actually says, forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the deserts and streams in the wasteland. You ever feel like God's a little bit confused about what he wants from you in the moment? Like here in this passage, he's like, remember, remember, look back. Just look back on your life and look at all the things that I've done. Isn't it so beautiful? Now forget all of that. It's like, what, what do you want from me right now here in this moment, right? Because it's confusing because there is a certain power in remembering. There is a certain power in, in looking back and seeing who God is and how he has worked and how he has been faithful, but there is also equal power in forgetting the former things. There, there is power that comes with this. See, because here is the thing. We as human beings... One of the things that we long for, that we crave, that we wish would come our way in a regular basis is predictability. We as human beings, we love knowing exactly how things are going to turn out. This is how tomorrow is going to look. This is how the future is going to look. And if we don't know how it is, we go into it should. It should look like this. It should be this way. This is how things should be. And so we love knowing exactly how it is supposed to be because we thrive off of not having to spend our energy on an unpredictable future. We love it when things are just set up and we know exactly here's how the way things are going to be. And when things feel unpredictable, we then start using our energy to control people and situations to make sure that they are where they should be, how they should be, and what they should be. Because we long for predictability. In fact, I would say that much of our energy goes into maintaining control for the sake of some sort of predictable future, making sure that everyone is in their place. I mean, you see this all the time. Have you noticed when you're in a friend group and you change or something transforms in you and you're like, hey, I'm not up for this anymore? Like, I'm not up for this, I'm not up for this way of relating in the family anymore. I'm not up for doing this thing that we do that seems really unhealthy. I'm not, I'm not up for having these conversations anymore. Have you noticed that suddenly everyone's like, right? 
They're like, no, 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 no. We, we, we had an agreement. This is how you're supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to be. Let's, let's not upset the apple cart here. Let's not change things because things are comfortable exactly the way they are here and now. And then everyone's thrown off kilter and we usually find either judgment or anger in those moments when someone decides that they're going to upset the stasis. Now, here's the thing. One of the benefits of having this building has been predictability and that's not a problem. It's actually been quite nice knowing that when we show up that everything is in this place or at least it should be in its place over the last few years. And we've had so many great memories here. Do you know that I looked back, I counted, we have baptized over three dozen people here over the last two years, which is amazing. We've had kids born and be brought into this building. Like this is their very first experience of coming to a gathering of followers of Jesus. We've had really beautiful holidays and conferences and, and memorial services and opportunities to celebrate. And week after week after week, our ridiculously talented worship team leading us in worship and, and all kinds of, I mean, yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, even when we left, the say, the school next door was like, oh, we are so bummed. We love that we get to be with you in this space. And, and even the say, they were like developing a whole program called the Say at Humanity, and it was going to be a, a whole thing here. And it's been really, really beautiful over the last few years. And so there are lots of benefits of having predictability. And remembering can allow us to reinforce the predictability. See, we know we're getting into holiday season, and how many of you know that when you go to Thanksgiving, you know exactly how everyone's going to act, right? I mean, it's interesting. Not that this happened to me, but when you marry into a family, you're informed of all the things that you're supposed to say and not supposed to say, and not to bring up with them, and not to engage with that. You just know, you're just, okay, got the rules, and you do the same, right? So like, don't have that conversation, and Uncle Joe's a little crazy, so don't have that conversation, and you just know, right? You, 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 it, the, the remembering helps to reinforce the predictability, and look, it keeps some level of safety, and it keeps some level of peace, and it keeps some level of, hey, this is how things are supposed to go, and in the same way, remembering all the ways that God has provided creates a level of predictability that is helpful. And there's nothing wrong with that unless you're committed to something other than simply living a safe life. It's interesting because no person that I've ever talked with when I ask, hey, what's your vision for your life? Like, what do you want to be known for? When you think about your legacy, what is that? No one has ever said, ah, safety. It's amazing. Like, no human being longs that at the end of the day that their life would be known as safe. And yet, at times, we set up our lives for that. See, God invites us to forget, not to get rid of predictability, because we need some level of predictability in life. He invites us to forget so that predictability and safety doesn't become the highest value to us. He invites us to forget the former things because he calls us into a connection with him where hearing his voice and allowing him to lead us would be paramount. It would be the very first thing that we would call, go to and step into because remembering the past is actually irrelevant to the new thing that God is wanting to do. See, remembering is helpful when you're in the moment and you're like, everything's falling apart. Remember, God has done this, this beautiful thing. It is not helpful when he's saying, here's this new thing that I'm calling you into because in that moment, he's saying, forget everything. 
because I'm calling you into this brand new, unprecedented in future. In fact, it can actually get in the way of stepping into the new thing that he's calling us into. See, part of forgetting is forgetting what we already know. See, that may seem crazy, forgetting what we already know. You'd think that would be a good thing, but already know, I already know, creates a whole bunch of blind spots to what God is wanting to do here in the moment. I already know how this will turn out. I already know how my spouse is going to respond to this. I already know how my bank account's going to be in a week. I already know how I'm going to fail. I already know how to get ahead here. I already know my finances. I already know how things are going to go. See, when you already know, there is very little room for God to move. When you already know what the future is going to look like, there's very little room for God to do the miraculous. And so we settle for predictability and we don't know why life is not vibrant because we already know. See, there's a crazy thing in the the, the moment when, as the Israelites were walking through the wilderness, God had provided for them time after time after time. There's this one moment where God calls Moses to strike this rock with his staff and out of it, water came. I don't know how that works, but that's crazy, right? They have no water, and Moses is like, tap, tap, arrowhead, right? There you go. And they could drink, and it provided for all their livestock, and they were provided for in this moment. And then the Israelites found themselves in the exact same place. So Moses goes to God. Everyone's complaining that there's no water, and Moses goes to God in Numbers 20, and he says this, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the rock, before their eyes, and it will pour out water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. He was really upset. Um, We must bring you water out of this rock. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. Now, you may have not caught this. Like, why is God upset with Moses right now? See, Moses had been there before. He knew the drill. I hit the rock and the water comes out. That's what we do. That's the magic trick, right? This is predictable. I've been here before. I know this is exactly what is going to happen. And it was based on his past experience with God. It was predictable. I know what to do. I hit the rock and water comes out. But see, rather than listening to the new thing that God had called him to, if you caught it, God said, look, you're not hitting the rock this time. You're going to speak to it. Brand new thing. Not like before, looks a little similar, but not the same thing. Because I'm testing you to see if you're actually connecting to what I'm saying to you here in the moment. And so rather than hearing God and connecting to God and saying, I'm going to speak to the rock, he defaulted to, I already know. I already know how to do this. I don't need your voice. I don't need you leading me. I already know the magic trick that's going to make this happen. And he was unable to enter into the promised land because of his I already know mindset here in this moment. Now, that may seem really harsh that Moses foregoes his entire right to connect and enter into the promised land, but it shows how critical the new thing is that God is wanting to burst forward. See, 
Moses actually failed to forget. He failed to let go of the I already know. And so God couldn't have someone dragging the past into this brand new future that he was created, creating, tainting it with I already know. See, it is actually impossible to remember the past for the, imperpo- for the purpose of reinforcing what we already know and stepping into the new future. Those are diametrically opposed to one another. Because the new thing will feel scary, it will feel unpredictable, it will knock you off your feet, it will feel like I, I can't even know up from down in the middle of this. But God is saying, if you would just remember how faithful I was then, I will be faithful again. And if you're willing to let go of what you already know, you will have the heart to step into this new future untainted because there is something new that I am doing. See, we as human beings are, are addicted to fixing the past and to going back into the past to inform us of our future, but it is the one place that is unfixable. It is the one place that we have no control over and it will impede us from stepping into this new thing. I really haven't shared much about how Freddie and I connected, but he served our church many, for many, many years as an evangelist and as an interim youth pastor for a few years. And Freddie saw me as the punk pastor's kid that I was. I know it's hard to believe that I was a punk, but let me just tell you, I was a punk. And I, I, was, I was on my way to giving up my faith and to certainly giving up any type of faith in community and to walking away from this crazy mess known as the church. And Freddie looked at me in that crowd, and it would have been so easy to look at me, this punk pastor's kid, and say, I already know what's gonna happen. I already know his future. He's gonna be another jaded pastor's kid who's gonna be really difficult to work with and have a crazy attitude and be incredibly self-protective, and it's gonna take a lot of work and time and energy. But he looked at me, and the beautiful thing was that he released I already know to step into something brand new. And so many people have been impacted by his life because he released I already know. He released I already know to step into this new thing that is birthed out of that. And so I am the product of someone who was willing to release I already know and, and to birth a new thing that God is doing. And he forgot the former things to step into the new thing that God was wanting to do here in that moment. And the old adage is absolutely true that familiarity breeds contempt. That the more predictable a relationship, the more room there is for disdain. This is why you can talk to your best friends the way you do and not talk to other acquaintances the way that you do because familiarity breeds a level of disrespect at times. See, the more familiar and predictable God becomes, the more disdain and disrespect we lean into with him. The more we relate to him as, God, I already know. I already know how this future is gonna turn out. The more disdain and disrespect and contempt enters into the relationship because When we already know, he appears powerless to impact the future. 
See, we no longer see God as, as holy and powerful, inviting us into this adventurous life. He, he becomes confusing and inconvenient and dangerous and out of control rather than a God inviting us into this new future. See, this is the power of Jesus. Jesus is ridiculously inconvenient in the world of religion. I mean, every other religion is about this God up there who just continues doing his thing. When, when God said, you know what? I'm going to do the most unpredictable thing that you could ever imagine. I'm going to translate myself into human form. And I'm going to walk among you, and I'm going to talk among you, and I'm going to be betrayed like you were, and I'm going to be hurt like you were, and I'm going to be let down like you were, and I'm going to experience all of this, and I'm going to keep loving, and I'm going to keep forgiving, and I'm going to keep going again, and I'm going to keep being the representation of God here on this planet. And in fact, I'm going to go all the way to dying for you. Talk about unpredictable, that a God would actually sacrifice himself for the sake of our future, for the new thing to be birthed. That's that's unpredictable. No one would have guessed or expected that in the middle of anything. That blows, I already know, out of the water. It makes no sense. And this pandemic season has had me up at many nights for a lot of different reasons and probably not the reasons you would expect. Because I'm actually not too concerned with safety. I am not super concerned with unity because we will find that eventually. I am not too concerned with health or politics or church business or vaccines. I am not actually concerned about most of those things. They will work themselves out. I'm up at night because this season is going to cause so many people to forget things that they were never supposed to forget and remember things that they were never supposed to bring into their future. And it is going to impact so much in the middle of this. And if we are not careful, we will become a people driven by safety and predictability. If we are not careful, we will become a people who are infor not informed by the voice of God, but informed by every news media outlet, by informed by every social media post, by, and it's informed by every Instagram post, and we, ref we will refuse to hear the voice of God speaking into the wilderness of what we are called to step into in that moment. And we will settle we will settle for comfort and stability. We will settle for what we've already known. We will settle for what's predictable. We will settle for what everyone else wants. We will settle for what seems safe. And we will, ever, we will never actually reach the promised land of abundance if we are unwilling to release what has been. See, as we leave this building, I believe that one of the things that God has always called Humanity Church to, and that he just continues to like bump us into, is to leave the predictability behind and to step into something brand new. Look, I, I kind of know what next week is going to look like. I have no clue. But I know what I'm committed to create. I know what I'm committed to step into. Because the future does not create itself. That is our job, partnering with the God who has created hearts and minds and futures. And so we leave the predictability behind. And look, we pause and we remember with gratitude the last two years here. We have so, so many fond memories here. And we boldly step into this future that God has called us to create and to transform the world around us. 
When you came in today, you received a rock. Would you pull that out? If you didn't receive a rock, one of the ushers are just going to come around and hand you a rock. You can just raise your hand if you don't have a rock. I thought about us just chucking these through the stained glass windows, but I thought that would not be a good idea. There's some in the back over here. As you hold this rock, I want you to think of something that God this morning is calling you to forget. That may sound strange, but something that he is calling you to leave behind this morning here in this place. Maybe something that has caused stability and predictability and safety for you, but it is not going to be supportive in where you're headed and where we're going. As we leave this building for the last time today, what is he calling you to leave here with this building that will no longer support where you're going, but also where we're going as a community? It could be a lie that you've been telling yourself. Like, I'm never going to have enough, or my future's never going to turn out the way that it is, or I'm a bad dad, or I'm a horrible parent, or I'm never going to get my finances. Whatever you need to do, maybe it's a lie. It could be a behavior pattern. That you're just like, I just keep falling into this like addictive behavior. It could be a success that's turned into stagnation. Like, I've hit this peak, and now I'm good. But God's calling you into this new thing. It, it could be an area where you already know like in your marriage or with your kids or with your career, you're just like, I already know. Yeah, it's going to turn out like this. It's not being really informed by the voice of God. It could be a fear. It could be a way of relating to a relationship that's been unhealthy. And look, you may have lots of evidence to prove it right. You may have all kinds of memories that are like, no, Nathan, but you don't understand. I get it but it's not gonna be supportive in moving into the new thing that God's called you to. But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do as we leave this building today. I'm gonna ask you to find some place outside in the planters, by the trees. Don't put them in the planters out here because we're gonna take those with us. Um, but I, I want you to symbolically just leave it here at this building and just say, this is not gonna support me in moving into my future. And so just leave it here. Because here's the thing, when, when the Israelites passed someplace, like they passed a milestone, God would oftentimes have them build a little rock memorial to, that every time they went by it, they were like, oh, remember when God did that and we left that thing behind and now we're on to the future. So we're gonna, this building is gonna be like a memorial. Now we're, we're gonna be meeting just down the street at the Fox, but whenever you drive by here and you see this steeple and you see this building, you're gonna be like, oh, remember that's no longer part of my life. Remember when I left that there? Remember when I decided not to believe that lie anymore? Remember when I left that fear behind? Remember when I left that behavior behind? Remember when I left that stagnation behind? Remember when I left that way of relating to my wife or my kids or my husband or my future behind? Yep, totally not a part of my future anymore. I forgot it. And so we're gonna forget a lot of things this morning to step into the future that he calls us into. See, because it is in the new thing that God meets us. God cannot meet us in the past. He can only meet us in the future. And so today we remember 
and we pause and we're grateful, and then we choose to forget. And next week, we start a brand new chapter with passion and power and purpose. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. Gosh, all the memories. We have so much evidence to prove how you have been faithful and how you have provided and how you have sustained and how you have protected and how you have gone before us, God. And I ask that you would cause us to keep pulling from that playbook as we, as we step forward, God. For those of us who are just entering into this season of even grieving, God, of loss in so many different areas, God, keep, keep those memories really near. And God, give us the courage to release the former things, the ways that we already know, the ways that have kept us safe and predictable in the past, God, so that we might fully, fully step into the future that you have for us. I thank you that you are the God who is doing the new thing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.